What's up, everybody? Today we introduce the final character or uh, final person in the unholy trinity that Satan is busy putting together. Remember, Satan loves to mimic or try to reproduce things that God or Jesus have said and done. You know, when it comes to God, Satan loves to imitate, but he can never recreate. There is only one God, one Messiah, and one Holy Spirit. But Satan will do his best to try and imitate a um, a blasphemous version of the Trinity. With the rise of the second beast, um, the unholy Trinity is complete. And the greatest display of pride, arrogance, and deceit and just straight sin is put on full display. Let's jump in and learn about the beast of the earth. Revelation thirteen eleven says, Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. Okay, let's take this verse by verse. John sees the second beast come out of the earth. So we know right away this is not like the beast that Daniel saw, and it is not like the the first beast that came out of the sea. So we know in the case of the four beasts that Daniel saw and the first beast that John saw, they represent a Gentile nation or ruler. But this beast comes out of the land, out of the earth, This could very well be indicating that the second beast is not Gentile and is in fact uh, a person of Jewish descent. But without more information or scripture to support it, we cannot be certain. But the fact that he rises out of the land does indicate that he is different and lends credibility to the fact that he could be from Jewish descent. Um, However, I would like to point out an interesting detail that I think deserves some attention. God uses symbolism, and he used symbolism like the angel that put one foot on the sea and one foot um, on the land, the one that Daniel saw with the little scroll, you know, so, but he, that angel put one foot on the sea, one foot on the land to signify that God has dominion over all the earth. There are numerous scriptures that reference the sea and the land and that God created them both and has dominion over them all. You know, chapter 13 started with stating that the dragon or Satan stood on the shore of the sea. So right where the land and the water meet, very similar, and raised up the first beast out of the sea and the second beast out of the earth. This could be indicating that he has dominion over all the earth, land, and sea. And we know that God does give him that during that time. So remember, Satan loves to imitate, and that is especially true uh, with his use of symbolism. Also, this beast looks like a lamb with two horns. There is much speculation about these two horns since every other mention of horns has been connected to some other deeper meaning or representation uh, of something important. We also know that God is intentional about de- about the details he includes. And so far, horns have symbolized uh, rulers or someone of power and authority. And it is possible the two horns represent the Antichrist and the false prophet. The, the two people that the world will see exercising power and authority over them in both governance and religion. Um, or they could be symbolic of the authority that the false prophet will have. He will exercise a governing authority on behalf of the Antichrist, and he will also exercise spiritual authority, you know, promoting the worship of the the first beast, the Antichrist. Daniel 8 speaks of a two-horned ram 
and the two horns represent the combined empire of the Medes and the Persians. So the two horns could represent the combined rule or authority of the Antichrist and the false prophet. Or again, it could be the combined rule of the Antichrist and the dragon or Satan. So, you know, as well as as the dual, it could also be tied to the dual nature uh, appearing uh, as a gentle lamb, but speaking with the authority like a dragon. So, verse twelve, it exercised. It says that it exercised all all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Okay, so the phrase on its behalf is also translated in the presence of, which will make more sense in a minute. So the false prophet will accompany the Antichrist speaking on his behalf or in his presence. This too is the devil mimicking and perverting the relationship God and Jesus uh, and the Holy Spirit have. Jesus exercised all authority under heaven on behalf of the Father. The Holy Spirit leads uh, people to worship the Lamb that was slain. You know, anyways, I hope you notice those little copycat moments. Now, verse 13 through 14 says, And it performed great signs, talking about the, the false prophet, the second beast. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth, to the earth, in full view of the people, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, or in the presence of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. The phrase on behalf of or in the presence of could indicate that the false prophet has no real power. As we know, the Antichrist only has power because he is indwelt by Satan, and Satan can't possess both men at the same time. So, it is possible that the power given to the false prophet or the second beast is an illusion and is only made possible because he is in the presence of the Antichrist who is indwelt by Satan. Of course, that's who how the Antichrist has the powers because Satan has possessed him. And therefore, you know, when the false prophet displays some act of power or miraculous sign, it is because the Antichrist or the power of Satan that is in him is causing these miraculous signs to happen, but it will appear as though the false prophet has done some supernatural godly, has some kind of supernatural godly power. You know, it says that he will call down fire in full view of the people. Again, Satan is perverting a display of power performed by Elijah when he called upon God to send fire down on the altar in full view of the people. He is mimicking the miracles of the Old Testament, which would make sense if the false prophet was uh, was Jewish a lot of these things would make sense uh, in in a way. So I mean, just a th- just a thought. But who would immediately recognize the significance of miracles like calling down fire from heaven above, uh, like Elijah did? Who would who would recognize that immediately? The Jews who are holding fast to the law, they would recognize it for sure, because of the signs performed in the presence of the Antichrist. It deceives, the false prophet deceives the people and they believe the lie being pushed on them. Once the second beast or false prophet convinces or deceives the people to believe the lie that the Antichrist is God or godlike or a type of Christ empowered by the dragon or Satan who is trying to appear as though he is like God, the invisible deity behind 
the the two beasts. It is easy now that the people have bought the lie. They've bought in. And, you know, it's easy now to order them to build an image or statue in honor of the first beast or Antichrist. They will willingly do it now that they have completely bought in or have bought into this this lie. Verse 15, the second beast was given power to give breath to the image or statue of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It is very much unclear as to how the false prophet will cause the image to be able to speak. Some have suggested the use of demons that may somehow possess the image or be near the image um, or, or, or statue and cause a voice to come from it. Um, and that's unique because it would be like the voice that came from the burning bush, so to speak, you know, the, which God did you know, with Moses. But, you know, it could be demons involved that are helping the, the image appear to speak. And it could be the demons also that are assigned to slay anyone who doesn't worship the image. And of course they wouldn't see the demons. Um, so some have suggested technology being inserted into the image that would have like a speaker or basically that the voice could come through. What we do know is that Satan does not have the power to create life or to bring something to life. So he can't breathe life into something that is that he doesn't have that power that resides with God alone. So we do know this. This is an illusion of power that Satan does not possess. He does not have the ability to create life. However, technology is possible. It is a possible explanation. But when it says that power to do this is given to the false prophet or the second beast, it reminds me that Satan does have power over the demonic realm. So it is possible that the false prophet has afforded the power over certain demons that will aid him in this illusion of power bringing you know, and appear to bring this image to life. Again, it's just a, it's Satan's way of trying to trick people and, and creating an illusion that he can somehow breathe life into things and create life, but he cannot. And we know that. Again, like I said, this is an illusion of power meant to mimic the power of God who gave breath, who gave the breath of life to man in the garden. Also, it is important to note that what the devil is doing right out of the gate, he is causing the people to violate the first two commandments, which are have no other gods before me and do not make any graven images okay, or idols you know, to worship, attacking the very foundation of God's law and the core beliefs of God's people. The third commandment, by the way, um, being you know, do not take the Lord's name in vain will also be completely violated. You know, and you, you see the Ten Commandments show, you know, they show us how to honor God and how to treat others. And Satan will deceive people into violating every one of God's commandments if he can possibly, if he can. And it's likely that he will succeed at that. It is like a slap in God's face. The devil will make a mockery of God's ways and blaspheme his name and his temple. So finally, in addition to the false prophet leading people to worship the Antichrist, of course, mimicking the Holy Spirit who leads us to Christ in true worship, the false prophet will force anyone to take, uh, I'm sorry, he will force everyone to take a mark on their right hand or forehead in order to buy or sell anything. This mark will represent the name of the Antichrist and will symbolize 
they belong to him and are afforded protection from his wrath. This is as well another copy of what God did earlier in Revelation when he sealed those, uh, talking about the 144,000, when he sealed them with the mark, you know, uh, with the name of Jesus and God. When he sealed them with that name, it afforded them protection from God's wrath. And now Satan is mimicking that and copying that as well. So verse 17 through 18 says, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. The number is 666. So this is how the false prophet will force everyone to conform and worship the Antichrist and the dragon. Because without the mark, you can't even earn money. You cannot buy anything. What you, what you need to live or survive, you will not be able to do that openly. You will not be able to earn money and you will not be able to purchase anything openly. It'll have to be done on the black market, so to speak, or underground. It'll have to be done sneakily. But again, that's going to be very difficult. So... You know, not to mention that those who do not take the mark will be killed. So there's a lot of pressure here, and and everybody's going to end up buckling. So when faced with not being able to afford to live, eat, or provide for yourself or your family, if you have, if they have family at that time, as well as facing certain death or for refusing the mark, it is easy to see why and how everyone whose name has not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life will easily accept the mark thus sealing their fate forever. Once they take that mark, they can never go back and they are cut off from the grace of God and doomed to an eternity in hell. The number 666 is the numerical value of the name of the first beast or Antichrist. In Hebrew, they would assign numerical values to each letter and when the value of each letter in the name is accumulated or calculated, it will equal... Uh, 666. So in, in reference to, we don't know who the what the name is going to be for the Antichrist, but in that day they will. Okay. And so when you, when you add up the, the numerical value of the letters in his name in Hebrew, it will equal 666. That is why scripture says this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. We do not know what the name will be, like I said, but in those days, the believers who have insight or any Jew that has insight on how to calculate the numerical value of the name of the beast, uh, it, they will be able to confirm that that person is in fact the Antichrist or first beast that is mentioned in scripture. Also, it says that it is the number of man. We know that the six is the number associated with man. Man was created on the sixth day. Also, it denotes the fall of man or sin of man. And biblically, when you repeat something twice, it is more important. But when you repeat it three times, it is extremely important. So if six represents man and denotes sin, then 666 essentially represents all the wickedness of man wrapped up in one person. This person will be the most sinful man of all time and will lead the ultimate lead to the ultimate fall from grace of all that have not been saved. It will be nearly impossible to survive through the, this period in, in time, but some will make, will make it, surprisingly enough. You know, 
some will make it through this period and and be alive when Christ returns um, in the second coming and establishes his kingdom. It won't be a lot of them, but uh, impressively enough, some will make it. Okay, guys, that is it for chapter 13. We know we now know who the second beast is. We know who who the two beasts are in general. The first beast is being the Antichrist. The second beast represents the false prophet. And so we know their roles, uh, at least their basic roles for the duration of the Great Tribulation, which is the second three and a half years. And just and we know just how difficult life was is going to be. Uh, in those days. And as we go on through Revelation, you will see for sure uh, just how extremely difficult it becomes, especially for any of the believers. Also, we see that at the uh, mid-tribulation point, when the mark of the beast is forced, the line in the sand will be drawn and everyone will have to make a choice. No more hiding. They must decide which side they are on. Okay, guys, that is it. Don't miss tomorrow as we pick up with the lamb and the 144,000. And it just keeps getting more intense and ultimately even better when we get to the end. Thank you, God, for all that you do for us. We are a stubborn people, but we are your people. And we are grateful for your mercy and grace and for the unending love and forgiveness that you offer us. God, when I read about the people that will be deceived and will take the mark of the beast, uh, sealing their fate uh, and being removed from your grace forever. My heart sinks, but I know that you are a God of, of many chances and will have given them many, many chances to turn from their ways. I wish the whole world could see you for who you are. You know, but I know that man's heart is inherently sinful and many will harden their hearts towards you. But I pray that you would fill your people with the power of the Holy Spirit and use us to be a light in this dark world. Use us to help people see that the enemy will have power only for a short time. But in the end, even he will bend the knee and declare Jesus as Lord. And he will be struck down and thrown into the lake of fire and eventually into hell for eternity. The beauty of the book of Revelation is that it declares and tells of the defeat and destruction of the enemy and the promise and reward of the faithful. And in the end, we will win. We win and the devil loses. In the end, you, God, are the sovereign Lord and all will acknowledge Jesus as the King of Kings. Give your people strength, Lord, to remain faithful during the hard times and let our lives be a living testimony of your grace, love, and mercy. Amen.